So today we'll talk a lot about global stuff, right? But really the reality with mission is this. The most important stuff that you will accomplish for the kingdom happens in all the mundane moments in life. It's simply not sexy. It's not getting on a plane and going to a location and having an amazing experience. That is a little bit of the time that we can do. The reality is all of us are going to get up tomorrow morning and we're going to go sit in a cube. We're going to go to work. We're going to go back to our neighborhoods. We're going to go to a park and play games with our kids. We're going to go to a live music show and hang out with our friends. And that's where mission really takes place most of the time. The most missional activity we can do is just showing up every day saying, God, I'm here to be used by you in any way that you want to use me. So, here's the reality with the gospel. If there's no justice, there's no gospel. Like, if the gospel isn't doing something to transform lives, it's not really the gospel, right? And so if you think about it, the church enters into a story to say, there's transformation possibilities right here. Whether it's a broken marriage, messed up finances, broken relationships, unforgiveness, extreme poverty, trafficking. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because we're just all really broken people. And we all need someone to enter our story and show us the way. And, um, and so, so here's one of the fears that we're having in the church today. We're trying to replace justice, the gospel with justice. Have you heard a lot of that? Maybe you will experience that. Oh, you guys are just out there doing good all the time, but you don't really care about theology. And this is one of the kickbacks we get all the time from even our own church partners. Why are you pursuing justice so much? Why are you out doing all of these things all the time? No one cares about the proclamation of good news. Rather, they care about the transformation that the good news brings. Justice is proof that God is real. Justice is proof that God has power to change the world. Justice is proof that forgiveness and brokenness can be made whole. But here's the reality. Until you see it with your own eyes, you will never believe it. And this is the power of going and experiencing justice locally and globally. Many of you have journeyed with us and you've seen kids start from extreme poverty, no food, no water, no health care, no home, to years later, smiling, thriving, happy, hopeful, going to school, drinking clean water, having three meals a day, getting the proper nutrition. That's the gospel in real life. That's justice. And then we can proclaim the good news of Jesus, not because we believe it, just with our knowledge of Scripture, but because we can show you what it means in real life. So, I'm getting older. Hopefully it's so dark in here and hot that you can't see the gray. Not that you'd want to look at my face anyhow, because that would be really awkward. Um, But I turned 40 this Friday, which I feel like I'm 26 or something. I don't know, you just... I turned 40, I promise, but I know I look 22 and 23. Um, or I was going to say 32, I'm sorry. And um, so, so I've been contemplating a lot about life and how quickly life goes and how, how, how easy it is for us to do really amazing things in life 
but they're not really the most missional activity. Because mission, the very nature of mission, mission is going out of your comfort zone to pursue the things of God. And so the last few, um, few weeks I've been thinking about what's the most important thing in life? We're all so busy with jobs and family and extracurricular activity that life just flies by. And before we know it, we're sitting there realizing like, wow, this is going to end quickly. Even if I die of old age, the speed of life is amazing. So I'm trying to think about what really matters in life. When it's all said and done, what, why are we here? Why do we exist? What is it all for? And I've realized there are two things that all of us are created and made for. One is to bring glory to God. And two is to bring restoration to our world. Everything can fit in those two categories. Your calling, your mission, your, your, your vocation, everything can fit into, is your day-to-day life bringing glory to God? The big things and the small things, because they all matter to God. And what are you doing to be on mission to your world? If we're not careful, life will fly by and all we'll have, we would have done is live for ourselves. That we put banners on living for ourselves. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be good with my finances. I, you know, all these things that are really good. But there seems to be this other part of the gospel that many of us are scared to walk into. This part where Jesus really requires everything from us. When you go global, you recognize this is just normal. I remember being in Cairo, Egypt four years ago. And I opened the scripture... And one of the pastors says, don't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was going to pray for a sick pastor. He says, don't, you can't, what you just did was illegal. If, if people find out you open scripture in our house, we'll all go to jail for a long, long time. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just normal for them as Christ followers. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it. When you're in the room when you're in the middle of Cairo and when you recognize that these people are risking their life to gather together and pray and worship and spend time as the body of Christ so they can go out on mission and serve the world in an undercover culture, every moment and every decision means everything to them. And yet, they don't think twice if they should do it. We were in a tent city service in Haiti a couple years ago, I get them all confused now. We've done this so much. And they were taking an offering. It was an awkward Thursday, hot, Haiti night. And a tent city experience, for those who have been there, you understand. For me, as a leader of a team, I just want to get in and get out. That's kind of like my, I want to get in, I want to get out. Because you never know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and when we might be there. So I'm just thinking logistics, making sure everything's going on right. And part of the tent city, they begin to take an offering. And it was amazing to me because I couldn't understand why they were taking an offering for. They never take offerings. And so I went up on stage and I asked Pastor Sincere, I go, Pastor, why are you taking an offering right now? And he goes, oh, we're planting a church in the Dominica. And I'm like, wait a minute. All these people who are now the poorest of the poor, the, the, you, you can't get any poor without dying. I mean, there's really nowhere else lower to go except where they're at, basically. And I'm like, these people are giving their money 
to plant a church in the Dominica, which are, is complete rivals. I mean, it's, it's like Oklahoma and Texas kind of thing, but way worse. Um, and everyone knows Texas wins, so I guess, I don't know. But um, I just had to say that so no one threw rocks at me. Um, they don't like each other at all. There's history and conflict and war. And yet, you'd watch these people take a little bit of money, throw it into a bucket, so they can start a new faith community. These people didn't even know how they're going to eat the next day. And yet, they're being generous with what they have. We're about two things as the body of Christ bringing glory to God and restoration to our world. And that moment, I saw what that meant in real life. These people considered nothing their own. Everything was God. I believe in the American church, we have this place that we want to go to be on mission. But there's this other 10 or 15% that scares the heck out of us. It's that other moment or that other life where we recognize we may actually have to get up every day and learn what it means to trust God. And that scares us in our engineering planning strategic minds that says we don't need others to take care of us rather we can take care of ourselves we can get an education we can get a job we can save we can make the right decisions and all of that is really beautiful and good and godly and needed but there's this other place where your life no longer matters to you the american dream is no longer an essential piece of the planning puzzle but the gospel and the kingdom supersedes every other thought in your life. That the only thing that matters is I have this little time to walk with Christ and to bring glory to His name and restoration with the world. And I want to make every moment and every dollar and every bit of skill that God has given me count for the kingdom. Because it's all that matters in life. There's nothing else when we stand before God that will matter but what we did to bring glory to God's name and restoration to our world. I think we've all come to the conclusion that wealth does not bring happiness. Over and over and over and over and over, we go to Haiti and we go to Africa and we sit in the poorest communities and they're happier. And it just boggles my mind. This is why going global is really important to spiritual formation. Not in traditional short-term teams, but when you begin to build a relationship with another community, you begin to see the gospel through a different light. And scripture explodes in your heart that you never saw before because you see different contexts and how it plays out in different, different cultures. And so when you're in these places, you're seeing this generosity that is unbelievable Coming back home and being generous becomes easy. It just isn't a problem anymore. To say, this, is not my, this isn't my stuff. I'm blaming cedar fever, I promise. So, let's actually talk about scripture. <laughs> Alright? Two things this morning. How is your life bringing glory to God? And how is your life bringing restoration to the world? They're interconnected. And that's what you were called to do. And that's why you were created by God. And that's why the church was formed to live on mission, not individually, but collectively as a unit, taking those two purposes and every day moving them forward. 
Galatians 2.20. Now, we all love the scripture where it says God's come to give life and life to the full or the abundant life, right? If you're like me for many years, I just assumed that meant my bank account was going to be bigger or something. You know, like my car was going to be nicer or my home was going to be bigger or, or I was going to get a better job. My career was going to go in a certain level, whatever. But, but now it's all completely different to me. Life to the full has nothing to do with materials because I've seen that really materialism doesn't really bring much joy. And the older you get, you see your friends get divorced that you thought were happy and they have everything in the world that can make them happy on the outside, but on the inside, they're completely not happy. They may even go to church every Sunday. They may even do devotions. They may, but there's something missing because their hope is not in God's glory and the mission of the kingdom. Their hope is in themselves and their own identity. And so they can't connect those two to live a whole life. And so what I'm realizing is, what does it mean to live an abundant life? What does it mean to live life to the full? And here's what I think it is. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. Think about what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying this. This is no longer about me anymore. My life has been, it's, it's, it's been given away to Christ. It's, my identity is hidden now in the things of God, in, in the kingdom. There's a bigger picture I'm pursuing. I understand that the victory has already been won, but there's this moment between the end of the world and the time I get to live, and there's a spiritual battle taking place, and it's crushing people every day. Whether it's an orphan in Haiti or your neighbor next door who has everything in the world and yet they live with suicidal thoughts or complete depression or they don't know what it means to experience real joy. Even though the house or the car, everything could be in place, but they don't have everything in place. But on the outside in America, it, doesn't, it looks all okay for many of us. But on the inside, it, it's because there's a spiritual reality that's crushing our world. It's, the Bible says the enemy is like is, is seeking whom he may devour. Every single day, this is the world that we play in. So tomorrow, when you show up to work, it may just be another Monday of, of work, right? Just push papers, send emails. If you're like me, delete all the emails because you're tired of sending them. Um, it's, it, but you know what? It's not that. It's that you get to enter into a world of broken people. And you get to be a missionary to that community. Because your, your cubicle neighbor, your, 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 your real neighbor, they're, they're, it's crushing. Sin is crushing our world. If you go to Haiti or Africa or other parts of the world, or just a few minutes from here, we see it a lot more on the outside. 27 million kids in trafficked, are being trafficked in our world. Mostly women and kids. If that doesn't drive you to your knees, the gospel's not thriving in your heart. Because those are God's kids, created in God's image. And the devil is abusing them. 160 million orphans. An orphan is fatherless. An orphan in context, whether it's, it's here with our foster care system, or whether it's an orphan who literally 
cares for themselves in the middle of a field in Zimbabwe. They're hopeless. Their opportunity for success and, op- and, and, and to have a, a real shot at life is dim. Until the local church walks in and says, no, it is not. That is not your story. You have a better story. It's gospel. It's Jesus. It's justice. And we are laying our lives down for you, no matter what it costs us. And that's the other 10% that we need to go to in the American church. That other moment where there's nothing off limits. There's There's no limit to how much I will love my neighbor and serve my world. There's nothing that I'm not willing to give up for the sake of the call of Jesus Christ. So how do we bring glory to God? A couple quick things. One, dying to self. Do you trust that God's way is better than your way? I've been struggling with that for a long time. There are days and moments where I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know if God's way is better than my way. But over and over and over, God proves that the way of the kingdom is so much better than my own philosophies or my own strategies or my own opinions. Here's the one thing I think that's transformed my life the last four or five years. The more I see darkness and evil, the more I realize this. I need to know Jesus. Not the traditional Jesus where maybe you go to church or maybe you do a, a quick prayer in the morning. But I want to be so connected to the person of Jesus where every moment of my life, there's, I'm connected to him. It's not a 10 minute in and out and I'm on to my own life. It's, I want to be connected because the things we see, you can't comprehend how evil, you don't even understand why God allows it to happen. The older you get, you'll realize this more and more, that if you're not close to Christ, you're really, really in trouble because life only gets harder the older you get and never gets easier. Now I'm trying to figure out how to take care of my kids and make sure my daughters are raised the proper way. And, how, you know, more responsibility happens over and over and over. To bring glory to God means I have to know God. And I don't want to know God in the traditional way. When I became a Christian, I, you know, this never worked for me. Maybe it doesn't work for you. Like the whole year-long Bible study thing, you know, I start every January and by like February 2nd, it's over. I can't complete that thing. Like, I don't understand. Why, why do we always start in Leviticus, Genesis and Leviticus? By the time Leviticus gets here, I'm like, animals are being slaughtered, blood's flying everywhere, and I'm completely bored. There's actually amazing theology in there, amazing stuff to, to, to gleam, if you will, but it's boring to me. I can't do that. Or I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray from 6 to 6.30 every day. That's powerful, right? I mean, it really, both of those things are brutal, but it goes beyond that. I want every moment of my life to be connected to Jesus. And that's my ultimate goal. When I'm making a decision in this world, I'm making a decision in that world. Know your mission. This is so important. The local church, the formal local church will not end poverty in our world. They don't know how. Pastors and the people who know how to end poverty are you guys. The healthcare professional the business-minded person, the creative, the storyteller. You guys are the most important piece of the puzzle. And if you don't do it, we're in trouble. You have a gift and a skill 
and a calling. For most of you, it's just to make a living and provide for your family and do the normal things that are beautiful and godly and part of the gift. But there's this whole other section. Your gift has been meant to give away to others who desperately need the wisdom and knowledge that you have. If we don't create jobs in Haiti, we're going to be caring for orphans for decades upon decades. Upon decades. If our kids aren't healthy, they're not going to go to school. If our kids don't have good teachers to teach them and educate them, they're not going to learn at the level they need to learn to provide for themselves and to be generous to their own communities. You matter to God and you matter to the mission. And we need every one of you in the game every single day. Your gifts and your callings can be used to make huge impacts around the world. We call them collectives to help one now. Because the, the, the staff, we don't know what we're doing half the time. All we're saying is, hey, meet this guy and you, and you guys get together and see what can come out of this because you guys are better at that than we are, and God can do amazing things. How do we bring glory to God? We live different. We live different than the rest of the world. We can't fit in, church. If we fit in, we've missed something. People are supposed to look at us like, you guys are nuts. Like, who are you again? Like, why do you do those things? What, what is going on? Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. Because Jesus doesn't make any sense. Giving your life to Jesus doesn't make any sense. On many levels. Except that it makes all the sense in the world. To those who believe. You have skills, you have resources, and you have time. You've got to be generous with those three things. To bring glory to God. And to live on mission. So... How do we restore people? I'll end with this. Amos 5.34 says this. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The church is doing beautiful and amazing work all over the world. It would be a sad day if we all just disappeared. Sometimes we forget the beautiful things that we're doing because we're focused on what we're not doing right. The church is doing amazing work all over the world. But we have so much more we can do. There's so much more we can give. There's the other 10 or 15% that we can enter into that can make huge differences. Here's the reality on an evangelism level. Justice is our opportunity to show the world that we believe Jesus is real. And that we're obedient to the call. Right? Because the, it doesn't matter to people outside the church what we think or say. It really only matters what we do. Prove that you believe what you believe by the life that you live. That's what this is talking about. Justice is rolling down to those who are suffering, those who are hurting, those who are in pain. And justice rolls down through God's people. And we are that the church of Jesus Christ. I want to break down the Jesus model of restoring people really quick. We're just going to talk about, it's so simple and it's so brilliant and it's something that we can all model because it's what we read in scripture every single day. This is how Jesus pursued justice. Go. Think about this. The world is broken. We can't connect with God. It's hopeless. It's impossible. There's no relationship because sin, right? Basic theology type stuff. We cannot connect with God. Jesus is in heaven saying, oh man, 
which I have, I doubt he says that at all, but I mean, I need, it needs to make sense. All right. This is called a transition in speaking. So, oh man, what are we going to do? Trinity. I don't know. Whatever conversations Jesus has with the father and with the Holy spirit, the world is broken. What are we going to do? We're going to go and we're going to fix it. And we're going to answer cell phones in the middle of church. It's okay. It's really fine. Um, we're going to go. Think, think about this for a second. Jesus already did what he's asking me and you to do. Go leave the comforts of your life and live on mission. He walked out of heaven and became what he created to restore what we destroyed. The most humbling moment in human history is when Jesus was born in a manger. It's God becoming what he created. That does not make sense. I would, I'm not going to talk about you, but I'm going to assume this is right. Most of us are not humble to do that, right? We're like, you, you, you messed up, man. You're on your own. You're, you, you, you screwed up your own life. Deal with it. Jesus said, oh, you messed up. You're not on your own. And I'm going to come enter your story, and I'm going to make it different. Jesus went left heaven, came to earth. Then he incarnated into community. He became the incarnation into a global world and into a local community. You can't pursue mission on your own. Mission is always done in the context of community. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. It's impossible. It's not biblical. Being a part of the gathering, the local church, the body of Christ is a natural expression of our faith. Jesus incarnated. Relationships means everything to pursuing justice. It's not a cause. It's not a project. It's, it's a people group becoming in love with another people group and saying we're going to serve one another. Then Jesus presents a new vision. I know this is where you were at when I came, but this is the possibility that can happen because I'm here. When we enter into Haiti, we present a new vision. It's their vision, but we help them accomplish it because we're bringing in the entire global church and we're saying, now we have dozens upon dozens of churches that are going to come partner together and serve you, the local Haitian church, so we can begin to create this new vision. Discipleship becomes a priority. You can't pursue justice without being discipled. It's impossible. And our Haitian and African and all of us need disciples in order to pursue justice in our own context, right? Austin New Church's biggest priority in life is to create disciples who will love the city of Austin and the world around them. You are a disciple, and your job and your mission and your calling is to create other disciples. You have to mentor other people to live like Jesus. Because then we do what? We multiply. When Jesus died on the cross, came back for a few few moments and his biggest priority was simple multiplication go into all the world you go there you go there you go there and we're going to we're going to become seekers of justice because we love the gospel of jesus christ and lastly there's the big payoff someday it's all going to end the pain and the hurt and the drama it's you see it every day i see it every day and it's brutal it's crushing Sin is crushing our world, but the church can bring light to the darkest places. We're going to watch a quick video um, on Ferrier Village. And this is how you guys as a church has helped bring restoration this year to about 40 to 50 kids 
in Ferrier. It's one of the most trafficked hot spots in our world. Um, we've been meeting with the government officials and chief police and, and, and people who are, who are saying to Lamar and myself and Sky, like, trafficking is happening. Actually, here's what the mayor told me last time. The tra- th- this is the world that we live in and this is what you're fighting. Your church is fighting. This thing has gone way beyond what we could have ever possibly dreamt of or imagined. In the next year, year and a half, there'll probably be 50 kids in this village. Um, and it's probably over $1.5 million over the next 15 or 20 years is what we'll commit to making sure these kids are taken care of. It's a big project, and you guys launched this project over 2012 year by giving to homes. Our small groups did a bunch of stuff, so thank you for that. Here's a couple other ways you've practically helped Haiti, and then we're going to pray. 100 homes. We built over 26 homes to help those who are homeless get back into home after the earthquake. Um, hundreds or thousands now of kids are sponsored. And what that means, we had a video we were going to show you, is they now have food and education and clean water. And their lives have been completely transformed because of a simple, powerful act of sponsoring a child. Um, we have clean water for those who are thirsty. There's nothing, our kids, and we're, get, we're getting sick and we didn't know why. And our doctors came down because they have skill sets. They said they're drinking unclean water. They need to have clean water. So we put in a water well for them. We're building a school, the Legacy Project. Many of you donated and gave to this amazing project that was, we didn't even think we were going to do it. And five weeks later, we raised $162,000 to help build a school for now three or 400 kids in Haiti. You guys, this is what it means to pursue justice and how you've been involved in restoring people in Haiti. We've given microloans to pastors and other friends in Haiti who now they can, instead of having their own kids sponsored, they actually have enough money to send their own kid to school, to provide for their own family, to start their own businesses, to build onto their own houses. It's a dignity thing. When we incarnate into a community like Jesus, we recognize we don't want to just give you money. We want to give you an opportunity so you can, can, can do life on your own. We want to make sure they feel proud of who they are. They're not just waiting for us, but they have an opportunity to create a good life for themselves and then to be generous to their own community. We're starting a church, going down next week back to Haiti, launching a huge church initiative in one of the most influential parts of Port-au-Prince, Patientville. You guys are going to be a part of that. And beyond all of that, all of this amazing activity that we've been able to accomplish in the last couple years is we have these amazing friendships in Haiti. We know their names. We know the stories. We understand their pain. They know our names. They know our stories. They understand our pain. And together we're saying we're serving one another in different ways to help restore our world. And that's what we call gospel justice.